0: Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. It's our final podcast of the year, an eventful year around Notre Dame and the world in general. Um, So let's do some year-in-review stuff, because it has been a little bit news-light since our last pod, pre-Christmas. And O'Malley, we'll start with you, because uh, our outline has favorite musing, and you're...
1: What is your favorite
0: yeah, musing by of your
1: year, own? All
2: 52 musings... Shouldn't that be... Shouldn't I be absolved from yeah. commenting on my own musings? No. <laughs> because, I, the, but, it's too much for me to comprehend. Kind of, that's that. right. There's, 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 <laughs> there's a level there, right? Are we doing favorite thoughts in this thing? Is that also <laughs> <Yes>. something that's... <laughs> we can. My
1: favorite line
0: crossed. No, but yeah. <laughs> It's something to do with Duke, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: now, I, I, the reason I enjoy writing them is that... I think I started them middle of last season, mm-hmm. right? right around right, there, right, yeah. and we were like, "Well, this is a great way to do a quick film review on Mondays," and then it became something. Well, I think I can just keep doing this, and then I don't have to write. <laughs> I think it's random a, columns. It's, it's, <laughs> but it was. Not it's sorry,
1: important but. that O'Malley empties his head his yeah. head of thoughts every week because. There's a lot going on in there. There's rare times where I, I, there's every once in a while, you know,
2: I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I wonder if I'll get to nine or something like that, but I rarely struggle to come up with nine things to say. Just yeah, gotta, my point taken. Gotta learn to edit it down. Um, it, it's funny, every time I sit down, I don't know what I'm going to write. I think back to the first one I did. It was, it was, no, it was actually in September of last year because of 2015, and it was, man, I just got to write a lot about CJ Prosex, I can't believe how good he is right now, and that's how the music started, was I needed things to say about that guy on film. Unfortunately, they might not have ever started this year, if I was looking for something to say in <laughs> September. It would have been. I think, you know, looking back, trying from the, from the positive point of view, it was, I guess this is positive for our staff, that you mentioned, Tim, after the Texas game, that maybe a change should be made to the defensive coordinator spot, and I thought, as much of like a fan reaction, that visceral fan reaction is, maybe Tim's not that far off, I don't think it's going to happen. And then sooner, two weeks later, I'm mentioning, you know what? Tim Priest was on the ground floor I didn't really, on I did, yeah. I did, But I didn't
1: really believe that was well, going to happen. Well, we all to kind of thought that it. Was you was wrote just, it. It was, it was, so, yeah. it was it such was. an outrageous game plan and yeah. performance. Post-Texas, if people are yeah. wondering. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I just felt like that had to be said at that. I didn't really think it would happen, and then I kind of, said, look, folks, it's probably not realistic that this is going to happen, but with each passing week, it became more realistic. (laughs) It's a a, a timely
2: question for favorite music that Jack put on here, because it was actually yesterday when I got to write the story that you guys know well of my favorite interview of all time with Coach Diaco
0: in the stands. We could have a whole segment on Bob Diaco in in the stands
2: of Sun Life Stadium really cramped, and we're sitting next to each other, like an old, old stadium, you know, an old movie seat almost, where you're on top of each other, and somehow I'm the only one up there, and it's media day for Alabama, it's kind of the end of it, and he just greeted me like an old friend, which we weren't, we just knew each other, From he's like, hey man, you know, all excited to see me, and we talked about many things, and to his credit, he offered, I don't even know how he remembered this, he said, didn't you guys just have a baby? We did, he was less than two months old, mm-hmm. just turned two months old, and I thought that was really nice for him to remember, and then that... Conversation just somehow went into him asking if my wife was breast or bottle feeding, and I found it the most awkward moment ever. God, I wish I'd not been there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was thinking at simultaneously. I'm so glad no one else is here, and man, I really
0: wish somebody else was here.
2: It was just
0: <laughs> so well, we could compare that crest to my conversation with Bob Diaco about breastfeeding. and the, do you wish somebody else was there or not? Because it was me, Bob Diaco asking about. My wife having another baby, uh, and Bob <laughs> Elliott, and we were stuck in the, the old press box elevator, going down to the first floor, and I, I think Bob Elliott basically like receded into the wallpaper of the elevator, if possible, um, and that that was, I think, the last conversation I might have had with Bob Diaco. It's um, yeah, but he was—I mean, he was big into babies because <laughs> when my daughter was born, we. We crossed paths outside the Basilica oh, in a that, blizzard yeah. after her um, baptism. And I think a week later, he came into the interview room, not to do interviews, but to congratulate me on the wow. baptism. It like, kind of no, freaked me out. I, <laughs> men-
2: I mentioned it it, it encapsulates Yako. He's a human, really nice, kind guy. Super nice made, guy. And he made it super creepy. He is. Uh-huh. and I
1: can, he, Although he's never asked me about breastfeeding yeah. because my son's 27.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you missed out. You get it. Uh, <laughs>
1: I did have the opportunity to go out and have beers with Coach Diaco a couple times, and and, uh, that's where he is at his best and most normal, so to speak. It's when... And of course, we're talking about Bob Diaco. Yeah, it's when the the, the cameras and the, the microphone that I don't think that he's completely comfortable. Of course, we're going on and on about Bob Diaco because he was just fired. He allows for many musings. For yeah, story. no yeah, doubt. And story. he's a, and he is a great guy. And he is a very solid defensive coordinator. But there was some speculation on our message board about oh, if they you know just would have waited two weeks, they could have had that's Diaco that's back. That's not a progressive move. Mike Elko is a first of all, Bob. I don't think Bob Diaco would want to come back and coordinate defenses again uh, under Brian Kelly. He he,
0: he moved I mean, on I, from it. Yeah,
1: and, and he will continue to move on. But Mike Elko is a progressive defensive coordinator who creates turnovers and creates sacks, and, and Bob Diaco is more of a keep the ball in front of you guy, and I think Notre Dame has the right guy moving forward, a defensive coordinator. And this
2: <laughs> this giant tangent is why the Musings exist in the first place. So yeah, move on to the next one. <laughs> Fa- favorite play of the year? I... I I'm going to go back to the first game, because I still can't believe. Pete, you were more on the ground floor of Equinemia St. Brown than I was in, in August. Um, um, that ex- full the extension. Cartwheel uh, cart, into the end, end zone. Full extension with both hands. Way out in front of him, full speed cartwheel into the end zone, I thought was just a yeah. remarkable. I wrote down
1: play. anything involving Equinemia St. Brown, yeah. really, because there were so few highlights, and... And uh, yeah, Pete was on top of that. I mean, I thought he, I thought he would emerge a, as a, a guy they're going to throw the football to, but he was better than that. And he was better than that from day one until the end of the season. Uh I'll go with uh Demetrius Jackson's
0: steal against Wisconsin. How about that? <laughs> Something good to happen. that happened. It's a good thing that
2: happened. The uh didn't see that coming moment. <laughs> the referencing basketball. Yes. <laughs> that was probably that. I didn't see that coming just now.
0: Um I would say is weird and maybe tone deaf as it sound. Like the fact that Brian Bangor got fired after four games, I was just like, "Whoa!" That that was yeah. uh, even though it
1: felt inevitable, I didn't think it was going to be that quick. There, there's always a you know, there's always a public outcry to fire a right. guy during the season. It just doesn't happen very often. That was holy cow, they did it. Yeah, not what in the world are they doing? Yeah, that that's what the,
2: I, I think that felt like. Uh, for me, honestly, and this is a positive one. When Jaron Jones was single-handedly the best defensive lineman I've ever seen for one game, <laughs> totally that, dominated. That, that was pretty a pretty amazing against Miami. That was remarkable. From going from hey he's playing
1: pretty well to that was was something else for me. All right, which loss didn't you see coming? And you obviously O'Malley obviously you can't, can't even say, say Duke. He no, can't, no, no, I he saw can't Duke. say Duke. Yeah, I I would say Duke, although. How many times have you heard me say that I think David Cutcliffe is a really, really good coach? And that was the one thing. But they had a quarterback, they had a freshman quarterback that had no business coming in Notre Dame Stadium and getting a win. But that's now a long list of quarterbacks that have done that against Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Duke
2: actually, this is this is probably where we're going
1: to move on to this one. But Duke is the
2: moment, that's the best example of a 2016 football team. In the first quarter, Notre Dame goes up 14-0. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, wow, I was wrong about this one. And then they return a kickoff for a touchdown, Duke does, with a backup kick returner, and all of a sudden it's a game, and the next thing you do, you look up, and Arden's behind at the half. They're tied in the middle of the fourth quarter, and Duke makes a play. That that moment is why Duke was in that game, and I think it's kind of a microcosm of the season.
0: Yeah, a, the entire Duke weekend was, was off. I mean, you I, had Friday, uh, Jenkins, Kelly, Swarbrick, and Indianapolis arguing their case before the NCAA about not vacating wins. Saturday, lose to Duke. Sunday, fire defensive coordinator. So was a I'm busy week. So I'm going expand that to 72
1: hours. I, well, I, the, for me, the best example of the season was NC State. First of all, the games being played in a hurricane. Secondly, Nordame is overemphasizing the pass. And third, they lose because of a blocked punt. That wow. summarizes yeah. 2016. Surprising. Yeah, that was,
0: I, yeah. The, the biggest disappointment was Duke. But yeah, 2016 was <laughs> was wrapped up in the NC State weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, including my terrible Airbnb experience where I get totally hosed. At least your and, electricity didn't go out yeah, in the hotel like it did for I O'Malley. Just, I man. used glow sticks for this yeah. the whole night. Glow sticks yeah. don't power up your Wi-Fi, by the way. It's like, yeah, the photo, the photo so. of took uh, of our rental car in the red mud. <laughs> I mean, it was... Just everything, and what, NC State oh, I, insisting that the game was not being delayed, even though it was delayed. There's a sign that said we're under delay, and they're walking around telling us we are not in a delay. Yeah, the place. the uh, voluntary evacuation of the stadium at halftime, those lampposts swaying in the wind looking like they could crash over at any moment. The, the,
2: the best moment of that NC State game coming out, not best, worst <laughs> I guess for Notre Dame fans, would be we walked in in the really bad conditions, in the, in the rain and the wind, and there was no uprooted tree in front of the stadium. Pre- Dang, pre-game. No. Then, with all those passes thrown, we came out we're like... A, a, tree. a tree was uprooted during that pass fest. This is
0: impressive. And not, not like a six-foot no, arborvitae no. like... It's I, I a 30-foot tree. And the, of
1: course, the weekend started up for me, anyway. shore yeah. dropping me off at the wrong hotel in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. well, After shore Airlines had been canceled at the last minute... Okay, well... The, well, that weekend started for me I with, meant,
2: this plate is no good. We have to get any a new plate. That wasn't... You're right. That's the that's what a the disaster. The, inter- <laughs> uh, the
1: interview of the year, I'm, mine's going to be totally different than, than your guys. I think I was the only one that interviewed him that day, which is why. But who would you... I think I know yours. Is yours basketball? No, I'm, okay. stu- I'm in, no, i I I'm, mean, no, I'm in Well, I remember you football. interviewed
2: Jack Swarbrick, uh... For basketball, well, oh, yeah, the NCAA tournament, yeah, you, that
1: just was you great. Alone. well, yeah. I, you know, it was a Notre Dame euphoria then, so yeah. everybody was talkative then. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Interview <laughs> but, of the year, I mean, I guess it's more quote because I think it's the one that probably hung around Brian Kelly's neck longest was like, the sacks don't matter, which is like a paraphrase of what he actually said, but that was just one of those things we're just like, man. There's no recognition of yeah. like the perception of what's happening here. Um, and I mean, there were a few of those where he said the defense was well coached the day before Fine Graham Gorder said special teams was well coached um, before they just completely sabotaged the season. Um, but yeah, that this the, the notion that somehow sacks were a, a nonsensical stat was just like. And you knew what he this meant a little
2: going, bit. He just This is going bad. Yeah, I don't. He meant pressures and stuff is important. Yeah. It's not just a sack, but it was just an odd. You're right. It was an odd. Kind of like
1: him saying, you know, we're not a four and eight team, which I think I yeah. responded on a. Or Kaiser eight. doesn't have to carry the offense. Yeah, <laughs> all right. That would it's close. Yeah. To I mean, that, you know, <laughs> I think you have to. Brent Kelly, I say this all the time. He meets with the media four times a week. Mm-hmm. That's you know almost fifty press conferences a year, and he. He's asked a lot of good questions. He's asked a lot of inane questions. He uh, he's a asked repeat. a lot of questions that he has to to talk around. You know, he can't be completely honest. It was when you're four and eight, man. There isn't anything that you no. can say that, right? I mean, yeah. also he, uh, the the
0: Dexter Williams Scott
1: Daly, my two <laughs>
0: players with passion. That was weird.
1: <laughs> but, was that my question? And he I went off, and I like we didn't expect him to suddenly.
0: Yeah, that had nothing
1: to do with what you asked, right? Right,
0: game Was that Duke? That was Duke. He that won, was Duke. Yeah, it
2: was Duke because yeah. Dexter Williams made a tackle or something. It that's that's when he, he, he threw the
1: players <laughs> under geez. the bus after the Duke game. And I know a lot of people have said, well, he won't blame himself. He had blamed himself well, and his coaching staff extensively after the Michigan State game. But, of course... You know, once you start attacking the players, and that's what—that's the lasting memory.
2: My quote of the year—it's uh, just a quick, well, it seemed like a quick throwaway from Coach Kelly, but it is so telling for the season. Exasperated, no one wants to talk about USC. Oh, Nobody geez. wants to talk about <laughs> USC because you know what? If Notre Dame was ten and zero, people would have wanted to talk about USC despite the sanctions coming down. But no one in that room wanted to talk about USC. I well, could
1: when he said that I couldn't even muster up thinking of a question about USC at <laughs> I that point. Prepared,
2: so it helped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know if you guys have a favorite tweet of the year, anything that really registered with you. Mine was anything from Mike and Treadway because yeah. it was all caps.
1: I can't not notice that. Gerard Jones is always a must-read on oh, Twitter. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because it, you know, yeah, I mean, it's usually going to be something that. He probably should just stick in his back pocket <laughs> and not, not type out, but he did.
2: Lewis next. but just put Duke with a giant emotic <laughs> big eyes and S.I. shaking my head. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> yeah, save that for Lewis next to say something <laughs> like that.
1: Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> what a memorable season. Yeah, a lot <laughs> happening there.
0: Um, as far as actual news, it was a pretty light post. Uh, I think Mike Elko was formally announced since our last podcast. I don't don't know if we have a whole lot more to say on that. Brian Pullian will be formally announced soon. Um, I guess it wouldn't even surprise me if that was today or tomorrow. Uh, And the rest of the staff, I think we're just sort of kind of in wait-and-see mode because the notion that I think Mike Elko is going to pick his own assistants, as Brian Kelly has said, if that's true and we fully expect Todd Light to be back because he's recruiting uh, and we expect Mike Elson to be back because he's recruiting – I'm not really sure what well, the maybe options he, are. Maybe there. he picked them. <laughs> maybe in accordance uh, with what Brian yeah, Kelly yes. wanted. Because um, I mean, the understanding with Elko or Elston was that he was going to be back before Elko had been formally hired. Um, so yeah, but He no, also
2: was a recruiting coordinator. Yeah, in many things involved
0: with him. Um, but yeah, I think we're just sort of status quo here on, on waiting for either Elko to make a decision. On The defensive line is that going to be Gilmore? Is that going to be Elston moving back there? Is he going to bring in somebody else? And Elston's going to stay at linebackers. And um, It
2: would appear there's no room at this point f- for Greg Hudson at linebacker, unless yeah, it, I mean, you don't hear anything about his that. name
1: has not come, come up place. in any conversation that I've had, and I think that's true of you as yes, well, Pete. It is, um, so yeah, I would, I don't know where he'll go, um, but I, I just
0: don't, unless he goes back to an analyst role, which I. It seems like that was a that was a pretty good audition to maybe be a full-time position coach somewhere else. I
2: think he could easily be a full-time position I mean, coach. Now, else, so.
0: You would think he would be in moderate demand as you know he's got Florida State, Notre Dame experience, certainly as a linebacker's coach. Yeah. 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 Um I mean the rest of the staff I don't know uh what's going on with offensive coordinator. I had heard from a source that Notre Dame uh seriously pursued Matt Canada for that position before he ultimately went to LSU was UCLA and Notre Dame were coming after him very, very hard. Uh, I can understand why he'd go to LSU. That's a a program that, you know, they've they've done the hot seat thing and now they're just sort of moving forward with Ogeron. But it's hard to see how the math works unless you're looking at a 10th assistant coach. Um, The strength coach... There was a report from either Football Scoop or ScoopFootballStaff.com or whatever the, uh, that site is that Notre Dame was looking at uh, uh, assistant strength coach at USC who had experience at Washington, um, predominantly on the West Coast his entire career. But I, I think that of, of all the positions on the staff, the one that I feel least qualified to say anything about whether it'd be good or bad or indifferent is strength coach. Because I don't, I just don't think we know enough
1: about what they need to do and like no, what you really need for that spot. We, none of us have lists of <laughs> strength coaches, you know, strength coaches per se. Um, you know, the the situation with Gilmore on defensive line is is interesting, and you're right. If he comes back, then the whole defensive staff, yeah, uh, is is intact, the- and then you know maybe that's who Mike Elko. Connected with, I, you know, I don't know. I'm
2: sure these aren't the only reasons he was brought on the staff by Brian Kelly. But Kelly noted when he brought Keith Gilmore and made the move, moved Elston away from defensive line To linebacker. He said Keith Gilmore is going to help us in recruiting, and his specialty is developing young talent. Well, that's all they have is young that's talent all they on the have. defensive line right now. So it'd be an interesting yeah. situation to remove. You know, that obviously if he and Elko sit down; they have other plans. Then you don't go back. Uh, although, the just quote, to but,
1: clarify, I mean, we're not, we no, are so not I mean, hearing. We are not hearing that Gilmore is coming back. Yeah. I haven't you know, we're it's clear we've heard Light is coming back and we've heard Elston is coming back. And then we had the denial yeah. that Gilmore was not gone. But we we, don't, we have we don't still not know. heard any information that would lead us to believe that he will be retained as defensive yeah, line coach. That's I, I think
0: that's a fair statement. We just are like we don't really know. And if Elko really is going to fill out his own staff, you would think he would have one hire. Um, And if it's it's not Light and it's not Elston, then that leaves you with Keith Gilmore. Now, could he come back? Elko clearly knows his work at North Carolina because they overlapped in the ACC. uh, Also recruited in the same area in the ACC area. So, and I
1: I mean, I personally, I I think... Well, he's also an easy Keith coach y- to get along with too. Yeah, I think Keith Gilmore yeah, is a good is. defensive line coach. Yeah. I, they didn't produce right at 14 sacks. I don't know how much of that you can put on on him, right? Yeah. Obviously, I mean, I, look, he just... was
0: he was the point man really for Darnell Yule when they got him in recruiting. He was definitely the point man for both Khalid Kareem position and recruiting area, and Dalen Hayes at least recruiting area at the time, if not position down the road. So he's. He has produced in recruiting. Um, that's worth noting. He's also
2: not a type of coach that you can't work with if you're a new defensive coordinator. He's going to be a good position coach right. for you if you want to keep him on oh, staff. There, there's plenty of guys that you're like, wait, that's not going work. But I mean, that doesn't he, work with him. He's fine. I don't know that he,
1: he's never been a... Uh, yeah, I don't want to misspeak here, but I mean, never been a guy with huge aspirations to be a coordinator. He's a defensive line coach. There's a lot of guys like that. Um, you know, they yeah. just that—that's that, what they do. They yeah. coach a position.
0: Now, uh, getting the staff in order is important because recruiting is sort of going into the final month here. I'm going to do a story today just about Brian Kelly's closing ability in the final month to five weeks of recruiting uh, over his time in at Under Armour, where our Steve Hare is. We got Paul Sandoval, Brock Wright. Avery Davis, Robert Hainsey, and David Adams all down there. Five commits. Um, some some targets, former targets there, but mostly former targets, including Robert Beal. So it would be interesting to see how active he is down there. Uh, at the Army game, much lighter. Cole Komet and Josh Luger there, as is Jake Brown. Uh, but you have some legit targets there. Jameer Calvin, receiver from L.A., Foster Sarrell, who will announce during the game, uh, offensive tackle from the Seattle metro area, and then Oliver Martin, the receiver from Iowa, that they're still in on. Uh, Calvin is probably the one that is worth watching the most because he's the most realistic. Um, and look, they're, they're recruiting right now. They're sitting at 18 commits. They're basically at net zero since the season started. Um, I think you could even say it since training camp started. They're at you know, net plus, zero plus minus uh, zero. Um, they need they need more in this class bad. Um, and it's there's a, a question about that in segment two that we'll get into about who they actually need most. But it's uh, it's an important time for Brian Kelly to, one, get the staff in order so these guys can recruit because when the uh, contact period opens up again, I believe January 12th is the end of the dead period, um, they need to have a full nine assistants in place. That's just, you, you're not going to be able to get much done otherwise. Do you That's, need a tenth? Uh, the the. the Prospective tenth because of April. As an analyst, I guess probably not because yeah. I think we're looking at the prospective tenth as the quarterback's coach. That's true. It's and that they energy. have to, Dave Avery Davis isn't going anywhere. He's said that over and over again. He'll be he'll say it again in Under Armour this week. Uh, and then Djokovic has said that he's fine too. He committed Notre Dame, So that's um I think they're okay with that. I think that getting the defensive staff figured out, uh you know Harry Easton's obviously not going anywhere. Uh, and Mike Denbrock, I don't think is going anywhere. I mean, they need to add at the receiver position, um, and he's the point man there, especially with Jameer Calvin, who's from Denbrock's recruiting area on the West Coast in LA. So I think that they will be okay. But especially with a recruiting weekend set for I, I want to say January twentieth, nineteenth, twentieth. You know, Antoine Simmons will be in. They'll have some of their like. Plan B options, I guess, is probably the best way to describe it. Late offers that they've made will be in there. Evan Fields, uh, safety from Oklahoma City. There's, um, They need to have a full staff in place by then because uh, uh, you can't be scrambling and hosting recruits at the same time. That's just not a good sales pitch. All right,
1: well, with that encouraging news and the scintillating recap of the 2016 <laughs> season, we will end segment one and take questions from our readers in segment two.
2: Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. Burning up the boards. Irish Bob with our first question. And it's all encompassing. What's the biggest thing that needs to improve? Is it offensive line play? Culture? Play calling? Special teams? D-line depth?
0: And you could probably keep going. In a yes. Few other my answer
1: to the question is yes.
0: Yeah, it's like I read this and I was like, what's a more interesting way? than <laughs> Beyond yes, 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 yes yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. What's the easiest? What's the hardest to fix? Uh, I mean, I looked at the offensive line play as... The easiest of those five, yeah, because you it's have intact. five guys yeah. back, your coach is back. I thought special teams was second easiest. It is the most upgradable position, Ever. coaching wise, and you still for for all his issues this year, C.J. Sanders is still a really explosive returner who just needs a, a freaking break. Uh, and then Union Newsom should be good. I realize Scott Daly is gone, but. <sighs> the season really shouldn't hinge on the long snapper graduating
1: a year ago and being a fifth year senior. Yeah, you're right. The specialists are back yeah. and that's the key. Play, to me, spe- yeah. special teams are organization, it's the, it's the organization yeah. and discipline and want to.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, I thought play calling a medium fix there cuz there are some philosophical differences probably between Brian Kelly and people who like running. Um <laughs> So it's like that, but it's like you can still get more creative in what you're doing, running the ball, get more vertical, more pistol type stuff, which I think suits Josh Adams more than stretched his own read stuff to the outside. Um, The defensive line depth, there's really no fix to that one other than recruiting hard for the next two or three years because that's just...
1: Well, they've, That's something that's they got in. Bo- they've got bodies. I was say. They've got the bo- they've yeah. got bodies. I don't know that they are the bodies. That I, that's what need, I mean. But I think if you look at defensive line depth, if
2: you just get all of these guys to be viable third string rotational yeah. guys, you're fine. But D-line depth 2012, where you're bringing in Sheldon Day, yeah. that's not happening this year. Yeah, yeah, I think
0: the issue for Notre Dame is not their eighth guy isn't good enough. It's their first guy yes. isn't good yeah. enough. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and then the culture... That sort of encapsulates everything from strength and condition to play yeah, like the line plate, especially. I, I, I don't know I don't. We, an weren't, that we one. weren't
1: questioning culture a year ago at this time. We weren't questioning no. culture six months ago at this time. I mean, and he's put him through the shakeup. The notion that, um, you know, Brian Kelly's what's stuck in his mindset won't change. I mean, he's firing coaches, right. he is doing things. He is a guy that, I mean, there's no doubt. He believes in a system, he believes in 20, however many years he quotes himself being a head coach, but they are making changes and I and I and I think Elko is a is a huge one for them. I think that you'll see something a radical change this off season in
0: terms of how they go about their business comparable to Culver. And I my understanding is that they're in conversations to take spring practice to IMG Academy like Michigan did last year during I don't know if it would be I would have to be during their spring break. So that would be a little bit earlier, but as a, as a shake up to the off season routine, which I think is something that you could argue that they need. Jack, do we have the money for that? Yes. No. <laughs> We're <laughs> saved on our bowl trip. Um, <laughs> but I, I think you'll see something like that happen. Um, and I think it will be IMG. I think it's something Brian Kelly really wants to do. Um, and I think the program, it's an expensive shock to the system, but it would be a shock to the system.
1: Well, that's interesting. And, um, you know, who would argue it at this point?
0: Right. That's who, the who would argue yeah. going to Florida in in early March? Well, the players yeah. won't.
1: Yeah. I, I, pretty much everybody would be all yeah. for it if they can. So they get... need to, to answer the question, other than yes, 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 yes. I guess you can kind of rank them. But look, when you're four and eight, you've got to restructure and they're in a the process. You expect of doing the it. offensive line
2: to improve and you expect the special teams to improve by default. So then it comes down to. Can bodies on the D-line become players over 12 games? Will the play calling be just tweaked enough where we're not making jokes about hats in the box all the time? Every time you see a linebacker on the field, that's a pass. You can't have that. You can't be a physical running team if you're always counting hats in the box. I do understand that's kind of how he goes about it. But sometimes you just have to realize we're going to impose our will and run the ball. If we get three yards, that's fine. And culture, we can't speak to the culture. I mean, we could we can look back and know it was bad last year, but as you said, we didn't feel that way a year ago. There was nothing wrong yeah. with 2015's culture. In fact, the next man in thing came finally came up and worked completely. They've had they've had injuries in the past and they lost games
1: because of right. it. In twenty fifteen, the only yeah.
2: game they lost because of injuries was Ohio State. I mean,
1: yes, that was which they and they probably would have lost sure, anyway. But that, it would have yeah, been it yeah. would have been more along the lines of Clemson, Stanford, exactly, right. as opposed to that. Chiefs eighty one. Why move Mike Elston back to defensive line when he struggled there before being moved to linebackers? I guess I just disagree with the premise of the question. Um I thought he was a fine defensive line
0: coach. You know, was he the best in college football? No, but that's okay. Um and I don't think they in that defense they weren't asked to do a whole lot. Like I remember joking with him at a coach's clinic one year. And he was like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" I'm like, ah, "I'm trying to learn a little bit about what you're doing." I'm like, "Well, it's defensive line. It's pretty simple. Just get in front of your guy." Uh, I mean, they played a two-gap defense. That was it. It was like, "Here are the techniques you use to control two gaps." That was it. Yeah. Um, it would be different with Mike Elgo.
2: Also, if you if people penalize Elston for a fall off in 2013 when two, it was out of shape and and some things and they lost some guys and Nick's didn't really want to play. Well then don't you have to credit him for the best defensive line they've had since the early nineties in 2012 Yeah, and really solid defensive lines in 10 and 11 when he had another quote unquote another coach's players. I mean, they, they had a top 20 defense, a top 23 defense, a top two defense, and a top thirty defense, and he was a defensive line coach. And for a four year stretch, three year stretch, they allowed second fewest rushing touchdowns
1: behind Alabama. But you're you're looking at big picture, and the question is not asked the from defensive a big line was good. I, I read a thread today that Kelly hasn't done any, anything recently. Well, if he, they went to a Fiesta Bowl <laughs> and won ten games and went toe to toe at Clemson in a rainstorm. But that was 2015. And so, you know. It's almost 2017. Lately, right. Tim. Lately, <laughs> lately is a relative term. Yes. And, uh, you know,
2: that. You know how we just break down Kelly year by year just by saying a word or two? Like that's the fun podcast and musings thing. Mike Elston, four years of defensive line coach. Good, good, great step back. Is there anything wrong with that?
1: Yeah. Well, now that's- I do want to say. I I, do, I think he will remain with the linebackers. Yeah, and whether too. it's Gilmore or another defensive line coach. So he did a good
2: job with the linebackers this he year. Was they was were the too. best unit on the team.
1: Fine Def, too. Most certainly, yeah. I would say. I mean, the, the secondary came on. The young mm-hmm. DBs developed, but uh, and there was a little bit of inconsistency early in in September with the linebackers, just because they hadn't played. Sure. But I thought start to finish, yeah, that was that was the best <laughs> unit on that side of the ball. Buffalo
0: Irish 1, who has a better shot at becoming Notre Dame's next coach, Chuck Martin or Mike Sanford? <laughs> That's you, Tim.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Thursday thought coming up, isn't it? <laughs> Projection uh, three years in a, into the yeah, future. <laughs> it, it, it is
1: an a, a incredible list of actually former Notre Dame coaches in bowl games here the last couple of days. But uh, Chuck, well, Chuck Martin, I mean, he's the more established coach. He's, well, both him and Sanford have voice. I mean, I think that's dream job type stuff for both of those guys as is, is head coach in our name, I guess, as it would be for, for a lot of guys. But Chuck Martin deserved to win the bowl game. Uh, over against, an SEC a, team. Over is, an SEC team that probably didn't have a ton to play for, but um, they deserved to, to beat Mississippi State. Lost 17-16. to 16. Why? Special Special teams, teams. special teams breakdown. (laughs) Runs of the family on an extra point and a a potential game-winning field goal. I don't remember how far it was, but it wasn't a long one.
2: I guess the question is: Is Miami over the next three years going to be better than Western Kentucky or more impressive than Western Kentucky in a way where you know Western Kentucky's kind of got it rolling at a little bit lower level than you know? I mean, the 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 same. Yeah, I guess the Mac is kind of more respected for coaches moving up to a Big Ten. Spell, so I guess that's asking for Notre Dame, not not Big Ten. But I yeah. I kinda of see Chuck Martin as a Big Ten coach after next year.
0: Does anybody do you feel like that's true? Sure. Kind of a- yeah. I mean I think they'll probably go nine and three next <laughs> year and you know, maybe he'll come back and then he'll go ten and two or something. But he's got things moving to good I mean, I was looking as I was watching the bowl game yesterday, and they looked like they were going to win for a while. And I was looking at, okay, so that means they would have won seven in a row. And I looked at their schedule to start next year, and it's like Marshall, Austin P, and um, Cincinnati, which is starting over. I mean, there was a chance that Chuck Martin could have brought Miami, Ohio, to Notre Dame Stadium on a 10-game winning streak. After he took over a program that had lost 16 straight games three years ago. He's doing a good job. I know the season was completely uneven: lose six, win six, lose the bowl game. But
1: that program was a total mess, and and now it's not. I remember. Uh, remember, I went down to Oxford, Ohio, and visited with Chuck yeah. Martin after he got the job. And yeah, he what? He, first of all, I think it was like June. He had three hours for me. Okay. He had three hours unimpeded. I don't He's think he got great. a phone call during yeah. that. Which is absolutely you can't you got get to ask two questions. Though, right? Yeah, yeah, but you can't get five. You couldn't get five minutes with a yeah. with a guy at Notre Dame nowadays. Uh, that used to be very different. But uh, yeah, he was so when I visited him, he was sitting on a sixteen game losing streak in Miami of Ohio. And look, it's been tough. I mean, up until the last seven games of his first three years in Miami Ohio, it's been a real struggle. Is he a you know, I think long-term Sanford probably is a better fit for Notre Dame, but I don't really – I you know, what do we have to go on with that? A couple conversations with him. I knew his dad well when he was quarterback's yeah. coach in Notre Dame. I mean, other yeah. than that – Very little. You know, um, but Chuck Martin's further along in the process, yeah, and Chuck so Martin, he would be closer. He
0: was at least – he was a head coach at least somewhere else right. before uh, he came to Notre Dame, and now he's – has three years in the bank of Miami, Ohio. I th- And I think you look at this question – Probably the better way, who is... Neither of these guys are replacing Brian Kelly. That's why would that's replace going the to guy to. who replaces Brian Kelly whenever I mean. that happens. Unless Brian Kelly is here for another, like, six years. Because I think both these guys are two jobs away from Notre Dame, not one. That's So I think Brian Kelly would be here for
2: three more years, probably. Because he's not going to go three to four. He's not going to go past uh, 11 years at Notre Dame. No. It's just not a thing. I mean, he's even referenced that type of thing. You just don't do those things. And I'm not sure Sanford's coming to Notre Dame in four years with... He's, he could leave Western Kentucky in two, get a bigger job, and leave that job in two for Notre Dame. But you're right, Chuck Barton, if it's the next coach, is the only option yeah. four, three, four years down the line. But if you're talking about
1: a coach six years down the line, I would say Mike Sanford. I wrote about this on Monday about Sanford. The, I mean, he's following Willie Taggart, Bobby Petrino with a, a quick stop-off, and now Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom won 30 games yeah. in, in three years. And I know it's just Western Kentucky, but... There's still it's a, a winning culture, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's still a level of Tagger took them to seven wins, Petrino took them to eight, and then Brom took took them up yeah. to uh, twenty three wins in the last two seasons. And you know, they, did you see, you didn't see that ball game? They were really, really impressive. Western I saw their Kentucky. big spike. That was yeah. Good. I mean, they they were so. My point is that. You know, when you walk into a situation where they won 30 games in three years, you better be really good. You better pick up where they left off. Seven or eight wins is not going to be good enough, even at a place like Western Kentucky. Yeah.
0: Look, I have no idea what their personnel is next year. um, But I I would rather be in Mike Sanford's position than Chuck Martin's taking my first FBS job because Sanford walks into situation where people expect to win and they have good players who expect to win and they know what they need to do to win at Miami, Ohio. They just didn't have anything. Um, so I really respect the hell of the job that Chuck Martin did. And you look, Chuck Martin, maybe the big 10, and then maybe, uh, Mike Sanford goes, is in the American in two years or something or three years, um, or maybe I'll yeah. He is, he is
1: 34, so there's yeah, not a, and a mad rush. Right it's now. like
0: you mentioned, sort of the dream job aspect. I think for Chuck Martin, yeah, Notre Dame 100 percent without
1: question. Mike Sanford, I think, could easily look at Stanford and Notre Dame as equal type jobs. I, I, I agree, but knowing that that Mike Sanford grew up in South sure. Bend when his dad was a yeah. coach here, there's uh, you know there's a special feeling about Notre Dame as well as that. I mean, I'm sure there are too oh, many guys Chuck walking 100% away from of Notre Dame. Chuck oh Martin no, no, absolutely. A Notre Dame fan. But yeah. anybody that had exposure to the Stanford program would aspire to that as well. Two, like, either one would be great to talk to. Yes, <laughs> that kind of uh, Boy, but portable. transcribing Martin would be a real task. Irish Neb, uh, if Notre Dame was really lacking in strength and conditioning department, what kind of gains can the strength program make in a year? Is it more a two to three year process? I look at it more of a two to three year process in terms of. High level,
2: getting high level talent to play great football. I don't think it's a two to three year process of getting well conditioned athletes just to have an edge. Do you? Isn't that what we're talking about?
0: God, I would hope. I mean, yeah. You could, in nine months, you couldn't. Right. You could. It's, if you it, worked out for nine months hard and you're in college and an elite level athlete, <laughs> they're
1: I'm not. Thinking, that, I think you'd be ready to go. They're <laughs> not that far behind. Yeah. I mean, they right, went toe right. to toe with yeah. Clemson and Stanford the year right. before, and and. Um, you know, I mean, seven of their eight losses were by eight points or less this past season. It needs to be improved, but it's not a complete makeover, man. right? Uh, I, you know, it I mean, seems you look like at, more of a mental. I, tough this no, I agree, I, and I think what yeah. O'Malley said about it, it's more of a gathering of talent again. When you look yeah. at, and I'm not making an excuse, but when you look at the talent that walked out the door after 2015, it was substantial on both sides of the ball, including early entry guys. So. I don't think they're that far behind. They just need to uh you know, January uh, January 2017's right around the corner. Get started. Let's go. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a mental edge that they need in the program. And that the mental
2: edge allows you to work out harder with more of a purpose, more consistently to develop and that's what makes November a 4 and 0 month. They haven't you know mm-hmm. had it once as opposed to we twice, I guess they are three and 0. But it, it, that's that's the problem. Has been November the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter is it was a problem this year. Like that that is isolated. November has been a problem overall since two thousand twelve. And it was the year, but they were lost their last two games in two thousand eleven. They lost two games in November two thousand thirteen. They lost four games in two thousand fourteen. They lost a very important one last year, and they didn't look that good, honestly, Boston with College. Boston College. I don't know where that mental or physical edge comes from in that game. I know that was all chip on the shoulder BC and Notre Dame sleepwalking through it. But they didn't look that good in November. And then last year was a bad right. November.
1: In 2014, they were, they were at that point, they were decimated. Yeah, you by could interest. have found a way to
2: beat Northwestern or Louisville at home. But you're right, they were, they were yeah. injured.
0: Yeah. Last question, D.L. Barron, what prospects would have been on your Christmas whistlush to get around to in the 2017 recruiting class?
1: Who at this point is a quote must get for Brian Kelly and company? Well, I, I mean, I thought Donovan Jeter was... Yep. Such a huge loss. I thought he was an anchor of their D line for several years, and that's significant. I think P. P. Werner, we all really, really liked yeah. that football player. And those are, I mean, yep. those are two that they had that they, they lost. There are three
2: losses this year of pledges, and the two you didn't expect. Yeah, that hurts the most for me for Jeter and Werner. I mean, yeah, you yeah, it kind of felt Beal was a different situation. Yeah, I like. I don't. Even, seems like such a Beal
1: right. seems like. Several years ago. He'd be nice to have on the list, though, right now. Oh, no doubt. It's hard to go back. Pascal would have been. I mean, that was a big
0: loss. Pascal was the name I wrote down probably just because it's the most recent. Yeah. Um, Because I don't, whether it's Pascal or Jeter or Beal, I barely even care. It just needed to be one of those guys. Because as we were talking about earlier with the the defensive line depth, the question isn't whether the 6th, 7th, or 8th guy is good enough. The question is the first guy. You need the first guy to be better and those guys had the chance to be a, a true first guy, and now they don't have anybody on the board. So who can they realistically get? I think Antoine Simmons would be a fine like-for-like like replacement with Pete Werner. I mean, they're not exactly the same. He's shorter, uh, but he's, he's quick. He can he's a, do a good lot athlete. Of I
1: don't think he's Werner, but but it would be a nice save at this. Point. Yeah,
0: I'm. Look, if you just want to trade Werner and Simmons from Ohio State to Notre Dame. That's fine. Um, and I would. Jaron Cage to me would be one because I think you should always oversign on the defensive line. I mean that in the sense of like set your target number and then add one. Always add one on the defensive line. And if Jaron Cage is your add one, where do you think good. they are with him? I think they expect them to visit in mid January. And then some of it depends on what happens with Ohio State. Um, you know, is Ohio State running out of room? Because Ohio State sort of is getting whoever they want. Um, <laughs> Look, it's Notre Dame needs. They need another body on the defensive line. I think Jaron Cage is is a different body type than than Daniel for sure. He's more like an athletic three technique, maybe built more like a taller Sheldon Day than Jaron Cage or Daniel, so like more of a square yeah. Yeah. nose guard type. So just get another plus one in there. Um, you could use another receiver, but to me, that's not a huge. A huge need, just based on how quickly young guys can come yeah. into play. Um, we didn't see
1: Stepherson being a good. Since but front slug. seven defensive recruiting. Since you're close to, since they're maybe close to getting Kelvin, it yeah. would be nice. Oh to sure, add that. It'd be a nice take for yeah. sure. I mean, that's
0: a no brainer. But um, who's on my wish list? Well, those guys are already somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> my, my my backup <laughs> gift would be just give me a couple more guys in the front seven. And then a stocking stuff where you can throw on her seat so yeah, so
1: the, the wish list has been thrown out with the other Christmas wrappings. Yeah, unfortunately. They're gone. Um, still still your house. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see on this one. It's uh I don't think there's gonna be a lot of recruiting movement. Calvin's down at the Army Bowl, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, but then you would get into that mid January recruiting weekend where Simmons is gonna be here and though I I expect them to put some new offers out. We'll see what happens with Mike Elko and some Wake Forest targets or Wake Forest commitments do they really pursue. Um, but that mid-January weekend will be significant for Notre Dame. You know who else they need? Daniel Cage.
1: Yeah, they need Daniel, Daniel Cage. Probably, yeah.
0: one too. to. Yeah. Desperately, really For the one to go one too. I think that's it for our podcast today. Uh, we'll be back on January 2nd, our first one of 2017. Uh, should have... Some more official staff news by then. Um, certainly some recruiting roundup from Under Armour and U.S. Army All-American Bulls. And looking ahead to uh, the recruiting weekend in mid-January, too. So all that next. Irish Illustrated Insider coming back January 2nd. Until then, Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. Thanks for listening. Isn't it a happy new year. Ain't gonna worry me now. This is a happy new year, ain't gonna work me any day.
1: Don't think about Christmas, cause Christmas just never left.